0: You're listening to Bloom and Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice,
1: California. Everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of Bloomin' Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom, and every episode we like to pick through the rubble of entertainment, media, and technology to see what interesting little bits and pieces of gold are lying among all the dross and rocks. This week I had a really interesting opportunity to moderate a panel, one of four, hosted by Soul Pancake, the website founded by. The Office star, Rain Wilson, to look at things like basically how to live a better life. Uh, Soul Pancake is now part of Participant Media, which does a lot of really interesting films and other projects, and they're continuing to focus on how we improve the quality of our lives, the way that we deal with things. This last month has been Mental Health Awareness Month, and as part of that, Soul Pancake. Did a feature-length documentary and they also hosted this event called four conversations about one thing my panel was about mental health and careers you know uh, years ago Neil Young and Jeff Blackburn wrote a song called my my hey hey out of the blue and that song has a famous couplet it's better to burn out than to fade away Neil lied his 1977 song was written after the drug-fueled deaths of bandmate Danny Whitten and Rock's ra- founding superstar Elvis Presley, but Young himself never burned out. To his credit, at 73, he's still making movies and music and noise, joyful noise, politically active, remarried to Daryl Hanna, dealing with the after-effects of his ranch burning uh, down in the big Malibu fires last fall. But unlike that ranch, he has not burned out. That said, it seems like just about everyone else out there is these days. Neil's song came to mind this week in part because of the World Health Organization, which officially declared that job-related burnout is a thing. They say it's a substantial work-related medical condition that merits serious attention. The WHO declared that to be a, quote, syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed with all due respect to the who no duh this week also brought news that game of thrones star kip harrington checked into a connecticut wellness facility for a month right after he finished shooting the concluding episode of tv's biggest show in a bit of iron throne irony Harrington said his darkest time actually came when his star was shining brightest as he became the increasingly pivotal central character in the storylines of TV's biggest show. Quote, it wasn't a very good time in my life, he said in a recent interview. I felt I had to feel that I was the most fortunate person in the world when actually I felt very vulnerable. I had a shaky time in my life around then, like I think a lot of people do in their 20s, unquote. I might add, it ain't just your 20s, brother it's a sentiment i think many online influencers likely can sympathize with as well burnout seems particularly widespread among a group that is routinely the focal point of audiences every bit as big and passionate as game of thrones and unlike an actor on a big show influencers must do pretty much everything on their shows performing producing writing editing posting on social and so much more and if they don't show up on set quote unquote they're not making money the pressure to produce can be a brutal grind. Even Superwoman had to take a break last November from her punishing creative schedule. The formidable Lily Singh dumped her Superwoman moniker and a demanding twice a week video production schedule to focus on her mental health in 2019. Kudos to Lily, as usual, and an example for many others, as she so often is. Influencers such as Singh are, in many ways, this era's rock stars to my mind. And though it's interesting to note, she just announced that she got a talk show, a late-night talk show on NBC. But influencers are the ones with the Promethean ability to generate and command vast audiences out of nothing more than their creativity, will, and ability to constantly, constantly churn out new material for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other platforms. But to reach that audience... These influencers are lashed to the giant hamster wheels of social media algorithms that dictate better visibility for the creations of those who post more regularly. Feeding those algorithms is a brutal Sisyphean battle that's wearing out more and more creators. As part of the panel I did with Soul Pancake, we talked about work and career. And among the folks that joined the panel was my longtime friend and internet star Shira Lazar, who now has a syndicated radio talk show. I was uh, really grateful for Shira's presence. She's a delightful person and a really thoughtful one, too. She's been a real conscience in many ways, I think, on the internet with her talk show What's Trending and the various charity efforts and fundraising and, and marathons, online marathons and telethons they've done for good causes. During the panel, she spoke movingly about her own personal journey to a more centered daily spiritual practice, which she credited with helping her navigate major changes in her life and work. Lazar and the other panelists talked about the challenges we're all facing, but especially in the high-pressure, high-visibility jobs in entertainment, tech, and social media that are so prominent these days. More importantly though, they also talked about ways to step back from the precipice to find balance in our work and personal lives and maybe find a way to keep doing interesting work online, on air and elsewhere. One of the people on the panel was Dr. Habib Sadeghi, who I am going to play a, an interview with. I was able to, to grab him for a conversation after the panel was done. He's a Los Angeles area integrative medicine specialist. His office, his clinic is out in Agoura Hills in the western edge of Los Angeles County. He's written two books on healthier life practices. One of the things he suggested we need to do is create more headspace. He'll get into that in our conversation. It's a term now used as the name of a very popular guided meditation app big in Silicon Valley and I think worthwhile for some folks to use as a way to do uh, more centering and mindfulness practice but it's far from the only one but it originally that term originally referred to the empty area inside a bottle of wine between the cork and the wine itself that space is carefully calibrated. I didn't know this before I talked with the doctor. Because if you get it wrong, if there's too much space or too little, the wine either turns to vinegar or it blows the cork. That's a useful metaphor for humans, too, and I think it's obvious why he uses it routinely. Sadegi gets into uh, things like a regular practice of stream-of-consciousness writing for 12 minutes a day. He calls this purge-emotional writing, or pew 12 designed to get those and those I would almost consider them the negative ions of emotion discharged from your soul but it's basically um, to help you work through in a stream of consciousness way some of the stuff that builds up in us every day his full prescription is much longer than that he did write two books and his approach is certainly not the only option out there and in fact as a writer the last thing I want to do at the end of the day is write more But he suggested that finding a creative expression of emotion and building introspection can be done with sound, music, or art, too, and I certainly try to practice some of all of those, Um, thus we're here on this podcast. There are tiny reasons for hope that the technology world is starting to grasp the mess that is made. Instagram said recently it may stop publicly showing like counts on posts, which may ease one source of what's known in 12-step programs as compare and despair. And YouTube this week announced it will no longer show exact follower counts, which will force PewDiePie and T-Series, not to mention their weirdly motivated fans, to come up with something to do besides running uh, subscriber counts and gimmicks to try to drive one past the other. But it also may be a way to ease yet another source of one-upmanship among creators that seldom has positive effects on them or really anybody else. But to me, this is a little bit like an obsessive tracking of the movie box office thing that's been going on for years in Hollywood. You know, the reality is it doesn't matter to anybody but the people who have a piece of that, who are in the business, whether film A made 12 million or 20 million or 100 million, it's all well and good. But really, we don't sit around and talk about, you know, how much uh, money. A can a tomato soup made, you know, in its first week of release? We don't care. We shouldn't need to care. But when it comes to movies, the one that got the most is its own form of entertainment. I think it's odd. Anyway, as panelist and actor Romney Malco. Uh, put it he's on a million little things right now as Rome and uh, also was on Weeds for quite a number of episodes among much else and he's a former rapper who had a number one hit as part of College Boys. As he put it when we talked about the impulse so many of us have especially on social media, comparison is career kryptonite. By that he means constantly comparing your perceived progress and success will eat you up particularly if you're using the perfected typically not very representative visions that other people present of their lives in their social media feeds. A little less specificity in public analytics may just help. But if YouTube, Facebook, and the rest want to really show that they're building a better internet experience for more than their shareholders, they have plenty of work ahead. Frankly, I'm not counting on people such as Mark Zuckerberg to show up on this issue any more than he did this week for the Canadian Parliament. For instance, I've talked in the past with former Google executives who tried to get the company's engineers to tweak the algorithms that reward constant posting to ease the pressure on influencers to constantly produce. But the engineers pushed back, they said. More posting drives more engagement, and more engagement is important to company success. Besides, they were told, it's not just one algorithm, it's multiple algorithms that interact in difficult-to-anticipate ways. And double besides... There are always more influencers if the current ones burn out. That disposable attitude toward people is exactly what's wrong with the online world we've created. Organizations such as the Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA, and my friend Shane Griffin are working hard to try to organize influencers as well as their managers and agents to push for better conditions with the social media companies. I think it's an uphill battle. It's not clear what leverage uh, sag after has, but it's important work and I, a worthy effort that I strongly support, and I hope that they'll be able to realize the fruit of that effort in coming time. In the meantime, the World Health Organization is including burnout in the next edition of its handbook of recognized medical conditions. See if any of these apply to you. 1. Lack of energy or exhaustion. 2. Autopilot and cynicism related to the job. 3 poor performance. If that's you in your work, it's time to pull back and make some headspace for yourself before that cork of yours blows or your emotional wine becomes vinegar. The internet has unlocked many wonderful things and allowed many creative people to showcase their wide-ranging talents. But it comes with some downsides and social media platforms' inhuman approach to the humans who make them popular destinations must evolve. And so do we as we find healthier ways to move forward and be all that we are. I'm going to take a break now, but uh, come back after a a word from our sponsor to hear from Dr. Habib Sadegi talking about ways to create that headspace. We'll be right back. And here's my talk with Dr. Habib Sadegi, the author of two books and a panelist with me on uh, one of the four conversations about one thing this week, an event sponsored by Soul pancake And I wish that they had uh, made those conversations available. I thought they were quite thoughtful and energizing in some ways, and particularly my panel. But there was some pushback, I understand, from some folks about not wanting to do that among the many panelists. So that's a shame. But I got Dr. Sadegi, and we had a great conversation. So give a listen.
0: I'm here with Dr. Habib Sadeghi, That's right. Author of two books and a practitioner of integrative medicine. That's right. Doctor, we were on a panel together here at the Soul Pancake, Four Conversations About One Thing, in honor of uh, the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, it feels to me like, in some ways, it is more important than ever. But in particular, we see, uh, as we mentioned on the uh, During the panel, the World Health Organization is now uh, officially designated work-related burnout as a medical condition that impairs our ability to function. Absolutely. Uh, You've written a lot about how we move to a better place, how we figure out sustaining things. So tell me more generally sort of your approach and then some of the the steps within your program
2: that you think may be helpful Mm -hmm. to people making their way. Yeah, it's um, you know when we when we look at a bottle of wine, um, it's very easy to notice the obvious. We notice the bottle, we notice the liquid inside, and we notice the cap or the uh, the cork. What we don't notice is the fourth element that is always there, but it's invisible. And that which is invisible is the most crucial to this organic living liquid inside, which is the empty space. The empty space inside the bottle makes the wine the wine. Because if you don't have that empty space, which is called head space, the wine, it's it's it'll be as accurate as vinegar. But no one, you know, I've, I've gone through medical school, I... But no one really taught me how to create a headspace. You look at... Or even I, how to make good wine. I, for that matter. But the wine, I learned uh, getting a master's in, um, in microbiology and food um, uh, in microbiology. You know, you look at one of my favorite books uh, is Dead Doctors Don't Lie. You look at the rate of delinquency in doctors' uh, children. You look at um, the, all kinds of diseases. They're one of the highest rates. Rates of uh, alcoholism, addiction, suicides, and so forth—it's in doctors. Yeah, the right.
0: social markers are problematic, to put it mildly. Absolutely, given Absolutely. the pressures, given the—you're literally holding people's lives in, in their
2: hands. The um, burnout. Talk yeah. about the burnout, yeah. and you know, and we see it. And the more urgency that you have to deal with day to day, such as in the ER setting, the higher that level of work burnout mm-hmm. that the World Health Organization now actually sees and labels it. At something that is visible. So, what is that invisible aspect of our life? What is that emptiness or headspace? And how can we really create that that would allow us to be a better human being? And for me, what I have noticed dealing as a medical doctor working with patients is, is really to, to cultivate it and to create it. And one way of cultivating it is to have a mindset when I consider myself to be a soul having a human experience, then all of a sudden I don't really question why is this happening to me. So you see, the language changes because I understand that everything that happens for me is for me. It's an opportunity hidden in it. So if I walk into the, this room and I'm you know, knee deep in feces, I, I don't. I don't look at it as oh my god, this is terrible. I'm like, well, where's the pony? You know, who where's where's the jewels in this? How am I learning from this? That this could be um, a, a challenging situation at work. Look, it's, you look at some of the most successful CEOs um, in, in our generation, and they've all gotten cancer. Right. Um, and, but no one asks this question. And, and I wonder, uh, you know, as you know, being a medical doctor and having had certain challenges. Um, you, you had cancer. Yourself. Cancer. Right. At second year of medical school. And, you know, and it was it was really the answer to a secret prayer because I, I was on this mission to be a neuro-ophthalmologist, I was very goal-driven, and see... You be, had your eye on that. So literally, pun yeah. intended. And being, you know, goal-oriented, what we lose track of is the inner gold inside. We really lose what it means to be a human being. Goals over gold. Uh, inner gold, Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, you know, and a lot of us, we work with this on a daily basis. No one teaches us that. We always think more is better, but it's not. If you fill up the bottle and if you forget to leave enough of an empty space, you blow the cork off. It won't work for you. Or you get vinegar. Literally. So, how do you build the right
0: amount of headspace? What are the approaches that you suggest in your books and and elsewhere as
2: people try to create more balance? I think the first thing um, is to be able to just take a survey of uh, where we're at. One way of um, asking those questions would be what I refer to as it's a way of writing or journaling that I refer to it as pew Twelve purge emotional writing 12 minutes a day. So for with 12 minutes, you sit down and you ask yourself open-ended question. And it really, it creates, if you would, a, a space, a cocoon that we can be honest with ourselves, you know? And what that does is it resurfaces and it gives us the ability to be able to edit the reality into a perception that is a lot more uplifting. I cannot tell you Um, how quickly the gigabytes of our mental space gets filled up because we feel like we're not good enough, we're not thin enough, we're not thick enough, we're not tall enough, we're not short enough, we're not smart enough. I think that is really one of the things that we're working with. And once we get filled up, then we don't have the headspace to be able to work with the reality as it is and to really tap into why are we here? What are the set of gifts that I can contribute and to be part of this magnificent conversation called life? Mm. We don't have that. So doing the Purge Emotional Writing, 12 minutes every day, it allows us to really work with what is there, what are the low-hanging fruits of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Another way would be learning how to reframe an issue as something that is a lot more uplifting. No one teaches us to do that, but, you know, two human beings, we can sit across from each other, and including your listeners, and we can create sounds, and these sounds, when we hear it, it activates certain part of the brain and the meanings that we give it. That is, that is a miracle by itself. Only human beings, as mammals, we can do that. So it's learning to tap into that and to do, to use our language and this linguistic abstraction to be able to reframe things and to give it a meaning that is uplifting rather than contracting. So reframing an issue as a blessing is another set of tools that I have found, and. Forgiveness, compassionate self-forgiveness. Every human being, you know, when we look at, um, when I look at myself as a soul having a human experience, then I understand that I have a soul curriculum that there is a reason that I'm planted on top of this tennis ball called earth that's rotating around itself and around a giant tennis ball that it's a million times larger right so i understand that i'm here and there's a purpose then all of a sudden meeting you and you know and your invitation of doing this podcast I'm not going to rush, go back to my clinic to see patients because I feel like maybe I need to create the pause that I need to be able to connect. Maybe in the conversation that you and I will create, there might be a message for me and perhaps you or your listeners. So you become part of a larger conversation. Now, looking at life that way, what it creates is meaning and it allows me to really, to fill me up, to feed me. And then all of a sudden I feel uplifted. You know, my neurotransmitters inside shift and change. Neurotransmitters such as epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, melatonin, histamine to some extent.
0: These are the big six that uh, really get juiced by, particularly our technological toys that um, have been custom tweaked to Uh, Give us that little dose of serotonin or dopamine. To hook us in. To hook us in. That's right. Exactly. So in terms of, I mean, I write about the tech space, I do a lot of stuff in the influencer world. On the panel I talked a little bit about seeing so much burnout among some of the creators who are having to put out new stuff every week or twice a week or daily. These tools all matter. Are there additional challenges or opportunities in that space? Or is the tech space not that different from other other parts of the world that you see? I mean, how, how do we see what goes on in tech and influencers and
2: entertainment versus the rest of the universe? Absolutely. I think um, what you're saying makes complete sense. I think within the tech industry... There's a lot of commonality within that that I see, but one in particular that is very specific is the technology also has a side effect. You know we're unaware that every electronic piece of equipment, as it heats up, it literally vaporizes various different heavy metals that that they include, including tungsten, thallium, and as we breathe it beryllium. in, it, yes, yes, brilliant. It has a physiological response. Okay, that's number one. Number two, when you shift your orientation. When you are now at the mercy of how many likes or followers you get, then you completely disconnect from your inner gold. Then you really are um, sabotaging and you're giving up your own soul because you're at the mercy of putting out two or three videos a day or a week to be able to get
0: that. To get yourself worth, you are yoked to yes. this
2: algorithm that is inhu- literally inhuman, absolutely, um, and you're setting yourself up to fail. Hmm. And a lot of people do fail because, see, there is something pornographic in within the within that realm, and pornographic because it's an empty calorie. There is no sustenance, yeah. and if we're not aware of that, then we continuously we want to have more of it. It's sort of like chips or popcorn, right? right? It's the nacho chip of the soul. The nacho chip of the soul with jalapeno. With jalapeno, <laughs> right. Get because, a little <laughs> juice there from the, the, the bite. And, and Bingo! Yeah. And that juice, that pepper, that capsin that burns us, it's done intentionally because what we do is we want to mask it. So what do we do? We do something that is actually counterintuitive. We, we, we bite into the jalapeno even more so. We keep eating. And what that does is it burns us more. So what do we do? We start self-medicating. How do we self-medicate? We use medication. We use food. We use sex. We use distractions to compulsive be able. Compulsive behaviors with some of those things are essential drives in our
0: species existence, but uh, or our personal existence. So you've got to figure out how you. You still need to eat, but it becomes compulsive behavior that it comes out of control, and it gets to that empty calorie kind of place that we're talking about in both a a spiritual way as well as an actual physical way in some cases. So in terms of the tech space and those challenges, do you see a lot of clients who work in, in tech and entertainment? Those are such dominant businesses here on the west side of Los Angeles. I mean, is that uh, a part of your practice? I know that one of our other panelists, Ramani, talked Romney Malco, talked about being one of your patients, and how you made a huge difference for him and his specific stuff. Do you see a
2: lot of other folks in, in the space as part of your practice? Yeah, I mean, just given the landscape and being a medical doctor, I, I feel blessed and proud privilege that to some extent certain part of the population the patient population that I see they do that that's their profession is such but um, I think at the end of the day we're really or all of us the same at the end of the day what's really important is we there's a deep sense of wanting to belong wanting to be loved and wanting to love and that is really the share commonality and what but what fizzles that, whatever fizzles that out then it turns us into a human doing which is a dis-ease and it really pulls us away from the gift of why we're here to cultivate qualities that we cannot get at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or Amazon qualities such as love, forgiveness gentility, truthfulness, integrity honesty Gratitude? Gratitude. Yeah. What are the names of the books that people could look for under Dr. Habib Sadegi's name? Sure. A, a lot of... Uh, so there are two books that I wrote. One of them, it's called Within. And the second one, the most recent one, it's called The Clarity Cleanse. And we, my beloved and I, um, we publish a magazine once a year. It's called Megazen that they can purchase. And I believe in giving back. I have quite a bit of writing on medium that 's available, and there 's everything from um, the side effects within the tech industry of just sedentary lifestyle in men, which is creating a set of acute or chronic um, prostatitis mm-hmm. in male populations to infertility in women and male um, to how, you know when to s- speak about um, sex to your kids. You know, so, and they're all available online through Medium. Great. All right. Well, thank you, doctor. I appreciate this very much. Thank you for the invitation. And it's really, uh, uh, it's very profound to be in your presence. And uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.
1: So that was great stuff. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it stimulates some thought of your own about your life and how you lead it and where you're going with it, and particularly how we interact with technology, and particularly if you're making a living in the business or in entertainment and media, which are increasingly merged with it. My thanks to Dr. Sadegi for his time, to the panel, which also included Denise Jackson from the very high-profile, very high-pressure company Quibi, which hopes to pump out 5,000 short episodic videos from prominent names by April of next year for a new subscription service. Quibi is headed by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman and has has raised $2 billion and is getting a lot of attention. Denise's job is the head of people operations, and she'll have a lot of work ahead of her to make sure that making all that happen won't break the people doing it. It was a great conversation there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I just had with Dr. Sadeghi. And let me know how you're doing. Anchor.fm has now built in audio comment functions, so you can leave me a audio note, talk about some of this. How do you like to balance and recenter yourself? What parts of this are part of your spiritual practice? Uh, Leave me a note. I'll try to work some of this into um, a future show. I'd love to hear from you about this or really anything else that you have going out there. You can follow me on Twitter, at David Bloom, and on LinkedIn, uh, David L. Bloom. Please uh, drop me a note, send me a text, send me a tweet. Love hearing from the folks out there. I'd also like to thank all my uh, sponsors and listeners for their support. Um, I can't do it without you guys. Thank you for that. This has been David Bloom for Bloom and Tech. Over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.